Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, welcome, welcome to an all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live, Wakanda Forever edition. I maybe should have said that with a little bit more excitement in my voice. Um, I don't think I can say it as well as the uh, Dora Milaje did. But before we get into introducing the the show and our co-hosts and everything, me and Dane, really quickly, just wanted to speak to the listeners out there and all the quote-unquote comic book fans who kind of see Black Panther as, oh, it's just another comic book movie. Why are people taking it out of the, you know, way out of proportion and, and you know, the, the constant comments of this isn't the first black superhero and stuff like that. We wanted to address that really quickly before we get into having a, a really good time breaking down a great movie. Um, so just to start it off before I pass it over to you, Dane, uh, just looking through comments, of, of people who say the anticipation it received because of its demographic, um, you know, is, is, you know, it wasn't well-deserved because the movie was just okay. Uh, and to that, let me just say this. For someone who has loved comics since I, I, I want to say I was maybe five, six years old, there's never been someone to properly represent the idea of being a hero. Uh, when people say Blade, Blade was an anti-hero at best. But on screen, that didn't do anything for uh, for African Americans, for black people. That only furthered the stereotype. Uh, you had a black guy that was on screen shooting and stabbing people. Like, no, that 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 isn't something that you can show a five or six year old and go, this could be you one day. That's not what you tell them. When you look at Spawn, that's not what you tell them. Uh, finally, we had someone that we could say, look, this is something that you should want to strive towards. And I know a lot of people go, well, it's a, it's a fictional character. Yeah, sure. But the character isn't the idea. This, what, it, what, it, what, it, what it symbolizes is, is the, the idea. And that's, that's the idea of becoming something more um, than just what you're, you're told you can be. Um, so, you know, that and then the idea of it was only, you know, it was only hyped because, you know, uh, the idea of it was the all-black cast and stuff like that is another thing I find offensive. The movie was great. <laughs> the movie was great. But forget about the whole idea of, like, oh, there's a lot of black people. The movie was just really well done. Um, race has nothing to do with the success or how well done this movie was. And I'll even go a step further and say, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a symbolization of just how far – we've come and how much farther we can go. The fact that this director had this huge budget, and I think, Dan, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he is the first black director to ever have a budget as big as he did. 
he had an amazing budget. Um, Ryan Coogler. I think and that I think to- that uh, Gary um, uh, with Fast and Furious. He definitely. I don't remember if it's a hundred or hundred fifty million, but I forgot what the, the director of the last Fast and Furious was. It might be up there. Sorry for cutting you off, Juwan. Uh, no, no, you're good. You're good. In fact, the concept of a black director with a primarily black cast, uh, this is definitely the first time. And honestly, even if that's true with what I just said, it's one of the first uh, that's gotten this much money. So that's still, even if he's the third, if you will, or even the fifth, that's ridiculous. But keep on going. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. That, that's what I wanted you to do. Thank you. Um, yeah, so, I mean, to that, I look at Ryan Coogler and Patty Jenkins as – as pioneers in the sense of uh, women have always been looking at a a big break as far as directing. Um, You know, we have huge female actresses. Women needed, uh, you know, that, that huge step in the sense of directing. Patty Jenkins not only gave that opportunity, but when she was given that opportunity, she gave it the, the biggest home run we've ever seen. And now the door is wide open for women to come in and do these huge, big-budgeted films. Ryan Coogler, same thing. Um, it, it's the doors that it opens. So as far as the community, that's what Black Panther means to us. Um, but it's not one of those things that if you're not black, you can't feel this movie. Um, so that's one of the things I wanted to hit on also. It's everyone just go see this movie. Enjoy it. And also, the hype that it's given, the the... The, the fame, and I also want to say this because I heard someone say this, and now I'm going to pass it to you, Dane. Um, yep. A lot of people were saying a lot of people won't critique this movie badly anytime soon because they'll be perceived as a racist. I want to say to that, you have a job to do if you're a reporter, if you know, you're a writer. If you didn't like the movie, fine. But I need you, when you say you didn't like the movie, give reasons that have everything to do outside of race to why you didn't like the movie. If you thought maybe some of the CGI wasn't good at moments, or you thought maybe some scenes were lacking, I wouldn't agree, but I'd respect that. But if race is in your, your description of why you didn't like the movie at all, that's then when people get offended. But I do think if you didn't like the movie, come out and say you didn't like the movie. I, I as, you know, us as fans of the movie and, you know, being in the community and everything – I do not think we should attack someone for saying they didn't like it. I just think if your, your reasoning for it is legit, then that's completely fine. Um, but I do want to throw that, that sense out of the window of you can't have an opinion against the grain because now, you know, you're looked at as either a racist or, or a bad person. No, if you didn't like Black Panther, by all means, say it, embrace it. But like I said, just don't let race be the reason why maybe you didn't like this film. Uh, I'll pass it to you now, Dan. Yeah, and it was F. Gary Gray I was thinking about. And I actually don't know that for 100%. I'm just assuming that movie must have cost at least around the same amount. But, uh, yeah, I just I'll, – I'll start by saying it like this, and I don't think that we have gotten political, but I watch a lot of movie uh, – listen to, I should say, a lot of movie podcasts. And there are stuff that it's outside of the reasoning of bringing up a celebrity's whatever is going on or, or stuff that's going on in the world in the political sense. That I don't want in there, but I think this is as being movie fans and going to see movies and enjoying them for what they are. I think this is a different type of concept altogether. I'm definitely someone, you know, just to let you know if anyone wants to throw stones at me or whatever, and I don't really give a shit honestly. But I'm a moderate. I, I don't like what, uh, you know, uh, what's not right and what what's left, if you will. Um, but 
I'll just leave it at that. So my opinion is just stemming from stuff that I've seen visually and just every aspect of it, just like, you know, Juwan was talking about, why can't we just enjoy movies? Why can't we just enjoy superhero films for what they are? What the hell is wrong with the fact that this might, you know, uh, inspire people? Why, why, why are you worried about Wonder Woman inspiring women? Like, I've seen some ignorant stuff, and I'm not saying that our viewers are ignorant or anything like that, but, you know, if, if that is your main ammunition in your, in your, in your mentality, um, yeah, there's a lot of ignorance or insecurities that's coming from you, and I, I don't get it. I mean, it goes in very many directions. I saw a, a, a more than one quote, but an original quote from a woman that said that white people should not go see the movie. She's a white woman, too, by the way. Uh, should not see the movie and allow, you know, our black uh, brethren to go see it first and, and allow them to enjoy it. Don't try to seclude yourself. Black Panther, it doesn't matter that he's black. He can inspire anyone. The fact that he is black and he can inspire, uh, you know, people that don't have a lot of that type of uh, concept in, in, in public media and in, in movies and superheroes, that's even better. You know, the fact that Juwan probably was inspired by Batman, who's a white guy. Because that's one of his favorite superheroes. I mean, it's the same type of thing. Inspiration is inspiration. If a certain demographic gets, you know, a chance to feel empowered by something, that should not be your derogative to be aggravated. It just really, if that's the case, it does make me think that you're insecure, and it does make me think that you're ignorant. And that's something that I'm not going to, you know, throw the word racist and stuff like that out there. But just check your concept. But at the same time, you know, uh, also I saw a, a black individual that was – and I've seen this too before, getting on saying that this is a fictional concept and, and you know, quit, quit thinking that it, it, this is real African culture. It's, it's like, can't we just enjoy film together? I mean, out of all the ignorant shit that I've seen online, it just seems like it, you don't get it most of the time. Um, this is a big deal. This is a, uh, I mean, mostly besides two actors, obviously, coincidentally, they're Gollum and Frodo, but whatever, um, African-American dominated cast from an African-American director who's on fire right now, has made three incredible films, and this is a huge achievement for what they got done. This is a great movie, first and foremost, other than, you know, being a superhero film or an action film. This is a great film altogether. If you watch this film by itself, there's certain films that you can watch in superhero films, maybe Winter Soldier or Logan, where you can introduce to someone who might not be in the superhero films, and it doesn't matter because it's not just that. And, I think the characters are incredible. I love the culture. Um, I'm trying to uh, describe it to people that ask me what it's about but don't know a lot about film or comic books, and I say that it's, it's like Lion King meets James Bond in certain ways, and, and you know, they, they're like, what? And I'm like, just you have to see the movie. I just have to say that I'm glad that our community, especially on Facebook, has kept out a lot of idiots uh, on there. Uh, the whole Blade comment really throws me off, but I think that Juwan already covered uh, the dynamics behind it. Just, I just don't understand, you know, we're, we're getting to a point, in, in, even with Mulan for the Asian Americans and, and Asians in general, you know, that's going to be a huge achievement for them. So if, if this keeps on happening, that's good. Why the heck do we have to have a problem with that? I want everyone to have their own superhero they can relate to. And if that superhero is not the same race as them, not the same sexuality as them, it's purple, a dinosaur, I don't give a shit. Let people get inspired and quit being insecure about it. Judge it as a movie. If your main concept, like Jawan says, is that, then I feel like your ammunition just stems off of ignorance. If you don't like the movie because you don't like the movie, that's fine. I mean, th this movie might not be for everyone. But if it goes back to there's some agenda behind it, just check yourself. And honestly, if you're really that ignorant, then if we bothered you so much by this conversation and going in like this, 
and you don't want to listen to us anymore, we probably don't want you to listen anyway. So that's the truth behind it. But um, we're going to talk about Black Panther. We're going to enjoy uh, breaking this down. But, yeah, I, I think me and Juwan wanted to say something about this. And if you found it political, I apologize. Like I said, we didn't bring up any type of political themes, if you will. This is more just how people have perceived the film itself and commented. So there you go. Absolutely. <clears throat> Very well done, buddy. Very well done. Um, so without further ado, let's get into our breakdown of the Black Panthers. So I welcome the rest of our panelists. Uh, Kanan, what's going on, buddy? Oh, oh, I forgot I was on this call. Sorry. Um, it's going good. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> really good. Um, I'm going <laughs> to pretend you didn't just say that. Anyway, um, we also have a very <laughs> special guest. Uh, from the Sports Bar Podcast. Chris, what's going on, Chris? Hey, what's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Really good. Uh, glad you're here with us, and we are really excited to talk Black Panther. So without further ado, let's get right into it, guys. We're going to start with our likes of Black Panther. Um, listen, I know almost everyone <laughs> a part of this panel right here loves it, so let's contain it to a few things. So we don't spend just an hour just just gushing over how much we love this movie, because uh, we have other uh, kind of subtopics to break into also. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you. What did you like about uh, Black Panther? Well, it's easy to say everything, which is the truth. But <laughs> I guess <laughs> I guess what I liked the most of it was for me uh, from the beginning of the movie, like when it first came on. Um, it had a comic book feel, uh, an older comic book feel. And, you know, I'm, I, I love all comic books, but, you know, I, I like a lot of the, the older stuff. And, you know, just from the scenes from the beginning when they, you know, they're, uh, you know, you know, they're in uh, Cali and, and the kids are out there on that, uh, on the blacktop playing basketball with the little crate as the rim. And then they switch over upstairs to the apartment. Everything about that reminds me of a lot of the comic books that I've read and, you know, currently and and in the past, man, it's like it's the whole feel to it, from the um, the scenes that took place, the lighting. Um, I just think they did a great job with this movie for folks, especially folks that are really into the comic book aspect. It just had a whole comic book feel to me, uh, just from the jump. Yeah, no, I'm I'm completely with you, man. One of the things that stood out to me the most is just visually, visually. I, I mean, I, I think I'm going to say this. Uh, until she is awarded at next year's Oscars, um, the costume design, beautiful. I mean, just beautiful. Uh, everybody. Um, so that that was one of the things I definitely loved. Uh, Kanan, what were some of your likes of Black Panther? Um, well, I had I had many likes as well. Um, I think what I really liked about it. Um, was just the the overall performance of the cast. I think from top to bottom, this is one of the best cast. Uh, I think one of the best cast films of all time, not just comic book wise. Uh, you know, at the very beginning, you know, you got that. Uh, if you're familiar with Sterling K. Brown's work, I mean, he's a great actor. He, I mean, I know he was very limited, but what I loved about this movie was every actor just seemed proud to be doing this movie. So even if they had a small part, they went all out. They weren't, uh, I don't, I didn't see anybody in this film like phone it in or just give 
a half performance. And I think every, uh, you know, every actor just, you know, just brought something out, you know, for this film, whether it be if they were the villain or if they were just a, a 15 seconds on screen. I mean, everybody I felt like really, really brought, you know, you know, had, were all in on this movie that they really uh, just brought their A game. Um, as you were saying, the visuals uh, were really great. Uh, I mean, it's one of the more, you know, beautiful films. Uh, you know, at times you really do feel like you're in Wakanda. I mean, I know some of the places actually filmed it, but I mean, Ryan Cooler just did a great job of capturing all that. Um, I thought, uh, um, I mean, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. I know we, I know we're going to cover a lot, uh, but I'll just leave it at that for for what I like. We'll, we'll get into the other um, side stuff, but just the, act, the overall acting uh, from from top to bottom. Yeah, uh, to speaking of acting, Sterling K. Brown, whether it's The People versus O.J. or it's All of Us or This Is Us, whatever that show's called, that man finds a way to, to try to make me cry anytime he's on screen. And I'll say this, Sterling K., <laughs> you almost had me. You almost had me. I'm strong enough to fight off those tears, but you almost had me in this, man. Uh, very, very, very great actor. Uh, that's Sterling K. Brown. Dane, I'll go to you, man. What were some of your likes of Black Panther? I'll definitely agree with you on uh, Njabu. Uh, Sterling K. Brown's performance is amazing. That's, I think the characters themselves and how fleshed out most of them are in this, um, and the actors portraying them. I mean, I really have to obviously say that Latita Wright and also um, uh, what's, what's the other gentleman? Oh, Winston Duke as M'Baku. Those, for the side characters, they were standouts. Uh, they were hilarious. They were great. I thought that all the, uh, you know, the actors like uh, Angela Bassett and Lupita Nyong'o and uh, just everyone, it was a great all-around cast, just incredible. Um, the story was great. Uh, we, me and you kind of talked about it beforehand, Juwan, before the show, but it's a story that just you, you, can, you can have it by itself, and it can still be, you know, not what's needed with the uh, MCU and everything that's going on. It, it, it's a story that kind of, like, serves itself, and I love that, and the visuals. And w- when we talk about our dislikes, I'm going to go into special effects. So I want people to understand the difference. When I say visuals, I mean the set design, the fact that the uh, set designer – kind of like branched off of ideas of obviously different type of African um, architecture, but also mixed it in with, um, uh, what's that movie that, that, that Nick won't shut up about? Oh, man. oh Blade Runner. The, well, the original Blade Runner, yes, had a very, very tech savvy. Yeah. She kind of like, I get ideas from that. That was all amazing. I love it that, that when it comes down to it, you know, T'Challa is the main character and the main focus and he really holds the film, but all the women within it, you know, they are by themselves amazing. And I really, like I said, I love M'Baku. That was one of my favorite characters. Some of the lines that he said, saying they're a vegetarian, it was hilarious. Yeah, no, absolutely. I will say <clears throat> one of the biggest things that I loved about this movie was it had that rare formula that made you feel for the quote-unquote villain. Um, and as I kind of you know, sat like, through that movie... Yeah, very true. Um, Unlike they did in the original X-Men story, um, in the one that, uh, the newer one that we had, with Michael Fassbender, that's the one to where it's like, you want to hate this guy because he's just like, he's killing people, but you kind of get what what drove him to be here. 
Um, yep. and, and, you know, that's exactly what I'd compare it to. I mean, as Killmonger was talking, not only from a societal point of you're thriving here while people who look just like you are, are, are struggling and are dying out there because they don't have what you guys have. That and, like, your dad killed my dad <laughs> and then refused yeah. to let me be a part of everything that you've been a part of. I didn't even get a chance to fight for my rights to be uh, king. So, you know, I loved it. And honestly, the point that you're making about how it's Lion King meets James Bond, I agree with you. I will go, it's not a step further, but I would say I felt the similarities of this movie were more towards Lion King 2. Not one and a half people, two. Not the one with Timon and Pumbaa, the one with Simba had a kid. Uh, The listeners out there who are like, wait, isn't the second one with Timon and Pumbaa? No, it's not. Um, Reason why I I, I compare it to... Exactly. reason why I compared it to that was Simba's daughter fell in love with, and I meant to look it up, and I still didn't. I think it was Scar's nephew or something. I can't remember who he was in relation to Scar. It, it, it escapes me. But uh, the point is, um, you had Simba's, Simba's daughter, who, you know, is obviously going to be the next in line. She was just trying to enjoy life. And, and, you know, do everything she needed to, to protect her homeland. Same way T'Challa was. Uh, you know, T'Challa had no idea that his father committed something so heinous like that. He would have never sat back and, and idolized his father as much as he did if he had a note. Same thing I, I compare it to Lion King, too. Um, Simba's daughter had no idea what happened between Simba and Scar, you know. And if she did, she wouldn't have idolized him as, as highly as, as, as she did. So I, I always bring it closer to that because if you really break down Lion King 2, it seems almost identical to the, the story yeah. Black Panther was trying to tell. And I would uh, one of – go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I would agree definitely with you that story-wise probably now that you kind of refresh my memory about Lion King 2, I think it's the visuals, like some of the uh, – like speaking to their, their dead father and, and some of the stuff at the beginning right. that – I kind of correlate with the first one, but I definitely agree with you. That, that's weird and almost eerie how similar they are from the second one. But we're talking about Lion yeah, King absolutely. compared to Black Panther. Exactly. That, that's what I find. That, But if, if you think about it, both of those are not only great movies. Lion King 2, I don't know if I'd say it was as great as the first one, but you look at those and you just say, man, <laughs> those are just some really good movies that have great parallels. Um, I, I'll say this before we get into our dislikes. Um, what I love the most was when he first went into the spiritual realm. Um, Not necessarily the visuals, even though the visuals were beautiful. Um, What I loved the most was it uh, it brought me back to Civil War, to where T'Challa was sitting on the bench talking to uh, uh, Scarlett, uh, I was going to say Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow. There we go. That's her character name. Sorry. Um, And he was saying, my people don't, believe it, you know, my people believe that there's a life after death. And when he said that, I'm just like, all right, well, you know, that's something really cool to say in the moment. But the movie showed us what that meant, that there is something more to death than just like, oh, we put him in the ground, that's it. Like, no, once you become king, you do have a way of of kind of, I'd say, the, you know, them going back and, and, and meeting their fathers, both Killmonger and, and T'Challa, was to check off something that was holding them back from becoming who they were supposed to be. Same thing, Simba had to have that moment looking in the water uh, to Mufasa. Mufasa kindly told him, you know, uh, kind of told him, I'm sorry, 
you kind of have to be your own man. You cannot try to, to, you know, resemble who I was. You have to be who you were supposed to be. And once T'Challa found that out, um, you know, he started to become his own man. And Killmonger, that was something he needed um, to, to go forward. He needed that, that talk with his dad. He needed that, you know, that, that face-to-face with him, something that he, could, that he didn't get when he was younger. So I, I love those two scenes. Those two scenes were, were some of the more important scenes uh, to me of, of this movie. But, um, all right, guys, let's move into our dislikes. This one's going to be a lot harder because um, I don't think we have many dislikes, if any. Um, so I'm going to go to you first, Chris. Uh, if you had any dislikes, what were some of them? There were absolutely none. There's nothing that I could say that I disliked about this movie. Um, I did, you know, read a few things. And, and it's the same thing we hear with all these movies, the people that really want to nitpick um, about movies because, you know, this is not what happened in the comic book. This is not actually the person that killed this person. But, you know, people have to get over that. This this is where we are in movies. I don't think we always have to follow everything, you know, you know, check every box on that. You know, things can change. That's what makes movies interesting. Um, but all that being said, man, it's just real short for me. And I'm, it's not, you know, it's not because this is my guy. You know Black Panther is my guy, my favorite Marvel character. Not just saying that because it, it's him and it's his movie. I could honestly, I couldn't find anything about this movie that I didn't like, man. Mm. I, listen, <laughs> it's really hard. Like, when I go back and watch Logan, like, I try to, you know, look at it from some, you know, from what we do, which is, you know, reviewing things, and I just go, I don't think there was a dull moment in that movie at all. Like, I can't really look at something and go, oh, man, I didn't really like that. Um, I will say the one thing I didn't like about this movie, and, Dane, this will sound familiar to you, um, because I know you heard this from somewhere else. Uh, one thing I didn't like was there was a point between – after Ross was shot and they headed back to Wakanda that I can't remember for the life of me. Like, I feel like the movie dipped off, uh, and then it came right back. But there was a moment where it dipped off, and what I didn't like was I can't even – that was so, you know, non-memorable, whatever that scene was, linking when he got shot to when we finally see him in, um, in Wakanda – I don't remember what that scene was in between it. So I'd say if I had to pick anything, it was that. And there was maybe one or two scenes that was Iron Man Civil War-ish. And by that, I mean when Iron Man first landed at the airport and you see his helmet come off, it looks a little weird. That and then when he's in the field holding Rhodey, his head looks weird on that body. Um, there was a few scenes to where T'Challa's mask came off, and it just looked a little weird to me. Like, it could have been maybe uh, touched up a little bit more than it was. But as you guys can tell, I love so much of it. These are, like, nitpicks. Like, these are things that I had to kind of search to find that I didn't like um, about this movie. So it's a lot harder to find things I didn't like. Um, Kanan, I'll go to you. What were some of your dislikes for uh, Black Panther? Mm. Some of my dislikes, um, you know, fall in the, the CGI category, uh, for one. Uh, I thought that uh, – and, I mean, it, it really was only a couple of spots with the, with the fight at the very end. Um, it seemed uh, a lot more digital than, you know, practical effects. 
Um, but other than that, I mean, the CGI wasn't too bad. The rhinos uh, were, you know, were iffy at times with the CGI, um, you know, with the way they moved and kind of the way they acted. I mean, that, that's really just like nit, you know, nitpicks. My two uh, biggest dislikes, and are, are we are we talking spoilers? I mean, I guess we oh, are yeah, yeah. covering the movie. Well, okay, really I mean, my, my two yeah. my two biggest dislikes are the fact that they killed uh, Claw, and you know, Killmonger died. I mean, you you set up, and I and I mean, I know we'll, we'll probably get into a little bit more about um, you know the certain characters or whatever, but I mean, you 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 set up Killmonger. And then he has like this moment, and then he just dies. And I mean, it's like, why? I mean, you had a chance to really build off this for another movie, and you just kill him off. And I don't understand why he's one of the better developed, in my opinion, and he's definitely somebody you wanted to hate. But at the same time, he has that great moment at the end where you just like, oh my god, you know, uh, you kind of realize where he's been at in his head this whole time. And then he dies, and they kill Claw, and it's just like, oh, my God, Marvel, why do you do this? I mean, he doesn't have to be a main character in the next Black Panther, but, I mean, you finally have set up one of the better villains, and then you you kill him. I mean, I, I guess I get, you know, well, I mean, they wrote that in. So, I mean, people will say, well, you know, he, he did this. If they didn't write that in, then people wouldn't have known that. But that's my two biggest that's – my, that's my actual dislike about it. Was that they killed off two really good characters? Um, the CGI part was just like a nitpick, but I mean, I, I feel like Killmonger. I feel like Michael B. Jordan just put a lot into this role, and I would have loved to seen him, uh, you know, be in the next movie. I mean, even be redeemed. I mean, he almost had that moment at the end uh, of the movie. So, you know, it just it feels it feels like a waste. And you know, we know where Marvel's going to go after the Thanos period. It would have been good to kind of see him. Uh, be brought out in, a, in another movie because he, he was such a good actor. I mean, like I said, you know, there's very few movies where the actor does such a great job that you either root for the bad guy with Heath Ledger's Joker or you want this person to die so bad with Killmonger, but then he almost like redeems himself. I mean, I've not seen any other villain in the Marvel Universe do that, and not even Loki because Loki flip-flops so much. Killmonger was was that guy. It's just like the whole movie. I'm like, oh my god, I wish they would kill this dude. And then at the end, I'm like, oh my god, please don't die. You know, please. And I, oh, okay, well, okay. Thanks a lot, Marvel. You know, so that that's my great. Uh, well, I will say really quickly before I pass it to you, Dane. Um, I see a lot of people that are like, oh, you know, the Infinity Stones exist. Maybe they don't bring them back. Don't bring them back. That would completely ruin. No, not after that. No, that no, not after that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not after um, that, no. But I, w- I, mean, I will say this. Um, I'm completely with you. Uh, Marvel does have possibly the worst track record of killing off some of the greatest villains <laughs> um, played by some of the greatest actors. Um, and it's a little annoying, but I will say this. If Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger didn't say what he said at the end of that movie, um, at the end of that scene, I'm sorry, yeah. I would have been yep. just as upset as you are. But that scene, not only culturally, but emotionally, was so important and so relevant and so heartwarming that that was a perfect way to send off a character like that. I, I'm with you, Kanan. If, 
Because I remember saying to Joel when we left the theater, like, man, like, this could have been the guy that pretends to be redeemed and then tries to kill T'Challa again to try to take the throne in part two. Um, you know, so I definitely wanted to see the character stay around. Um, but it was one of those things to where it was after he said what he said, I said, you know what? That's perfect. That's perfect. That's how you go. If, if you're going to kill off an amazing character like that, that's how you do it. And, and just really quickly also, um, I would have liked it maybe if we didn't – well, we didn't see Claw die. Um, but if it wasn't the whole he was shot, only because we do know in the comics there is another version of Ulysses Claw that is more non-human that I would have really yep. liked for them to explore. But it's like, well, he was shot a few times that we saw – and then we're assuming the shot that we didn't see was to the head. So I, I doubt – I mean, you could go the route of maybe somebody in Wakanda, um, you know, isn't, excuse me, um, favorable to what the child is doing. So maybe they try to recreate Claw, and then we get that form. But it's just like you didn't really have to kill him, in my opinion. You have two villains, and you killed both of them, leaving neither one of them to be brought back for, for a part two. That that bugs me also a little bit. So I'm with you, Cannon, but I just wanted to add that um, Michael B. Jordan saying what he said right before he died is what made me accept the fact that uh, he was he wasn't going to be around going forward. But I'm sorry, Dane. I didn't mean to mean to eat up so much time. Go ahead. What were some of the likes of the Black Panther? I mean, it kind of goes into what you guys are saying, but it's a little bit different. It, it it's my aggravations with Marvel, but. It's more so I thought the deaths, unfortunately, I, was, I felt the same way, but they served the story so well, and that should be the main point of characters with the movies, um, is to serve, the, and like you were saying, like uh, when, when Killmonger dies, like he had to die, and also, unfortunately, with Claw, I would have loved to have seen a scene of maybe Killmonger shooting at him with some type of vibranium tech, and then Claw shooting at him with his thing, and maybe an explosion, and he dissipates, and he's not there anymore, but... Unfortunately, Killmonger needed the body, so when he talked to, um, you know, Denny Kaluuya's character, Wakabi, you know, there was a reason for that. Um, but when it comes down to it, it's, it's the limited villains now for Black Panther because you introduce so many characters that even if you made them kind of good, they're supposed to be villains. Like even, uh, even Lapita's character um, is technically a villain in the comics. Now, I don't have a problem with that, but all right, you kill off two of his biggest villains, Killmonger and Claw. She's not a villain anymore. Yeah, you can turn her and maybe get him with Storm or whatever, but that's going to be really weird, and I love Lupita's character as a hero. But also then you have um, Baku, Winston Duke's character, Manape, who is supposed to be this ruthless villain, but you kind of want him to be like at least an anti-hero. Like, like a, you don't want him to be necessarily a villain. And Killmonger you got to realize he has Wakabi's background as a character in the comics. And I don't care if he claims to the comics. I'm not like that. You can ask some of the members that are not here even, if you will, about how I feel about that. But Killmonger's backstory was Wakabi's backstory where his parents and family got killed by Claw, and he wanted redemption for them. So it was a very different concept. He had elements of White Wolf's character, and now kind of taken away from, you know, since they didn't introduce that character as, as the head of police that – Trace T'Challa, that's like his, his stepbrother, and White Wolf was the character where a plane crashed in Africa, and, um, and T'Challa's father, T'Chaka, took the child because his parents were dead and raised him and put him as the, uh, you know, the head of the uh, special forces. Well, that kind of has very similarities with Killmonger now in the sense of like him coming out of nowhere and you know, trying to take on T'Challa. 
and never introducing them. So it's the one thing is like there are villains, and I have ideas when we get to that point in the conversation of where they can go. But like a lot of the main ones, they kind of eliminated. So I don't know what they're going to do. And I'm kind of sick of Marvel taking their best villains and always, nope, it's about the hero. And it's like, God, I mean, you guys could do a lot with them. Um, but, yeah, that was my main thing. The special effects, just on, like, it was, it was the scene where the two Black Panthers were fighting when they're falling. Uh, definitely looked like a video game. I mean, but that's going to happen in all these movies. The visuals of, like, the buildings were incredible, so I'm not going to bitch too much about the special effects. But the rhinos, too, there are a couple parts where, even on the big screen in, in AMC, you can notice it. And my concept of, of the, uh, the herbs that they take, uh, the one right before the fight, um, which gives them strength, I thought that that would mean that, or I, I don't really understand exactly what it does. I, that's what I assumed it did. Then I thought maybe the uh, thing that they t- take to talk to the dead kind of like actually activates it. Like that's now you're the Black Panther or whatever they take in because it's poison. But it's supposed to be just with the bloodline. But then they offered it to Lapita's character. Or well, 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 um, when Angela Bassett was like, why don't you become the Black Panther? And she's like, I'm not taking it. It's supposed to be within the bloodline. So that was kind of confusing. And also the fact that T'Challa took it again, uh, it kind of – like, I, I didn't understand the process of how those things were supposed to work. But that's kind of a nitpick. Special effects were a nitpick. It's the fact of what they're going to do with the Black Panther villains is the thing I'm worried about since they kind of introduced a bunch of them and they don't have them as bad guys or they're dead. Um, I will say I believe as far as the herbs, uh, it was to enhance um, your ability. So, you know – <clears throat> T'Challa obviously had training, so it would enhance whatever training or, or abilities you, you already had. Um, that, that They didn't explain it all the best, is what I will definitely agree with you uh, about, Dane. Um, I know the liquid was what was supposed to strip your powers um, right before trial combat, so you didn't have an advantage. Um, but yeah, oh, I agree with you. They, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's what the liquid was. Uh, the herb, like I said, I believe, and I could be extremely wrong. I, I, I'll see it again in a few days so I can have a better response to it. Um, the herb, I believe, was meant to enhance. Because um, like they said, when they gave it to T'Challa, um, he had already had like this, this extreme training that they, they train everyone in Wakanda as far as uh, skill, ability, agility, stuff like that. Um, so it was meant to enhance it. Uh, you know, Chris, I know you're huge into Black Panther comics. Um, I, I don't recall if this herb was, was used that heavily in the comics. Uh, was it? No, nah, it wasn't used that much. It may be a handful of instances, maybe a couple of instances I can think of, but no, it wasn't used the way it was used, uh, well, that heavily like it was in the movie, no. Okay. I will say, and this is a, an amazing touch to Ryan Coogler right before we move on to uh, who our favorite characters were, and I'm sure you guys can all agree to this. It was an amazing move by him to have Michael B. Jordan, uh, to have Killmonger, I'm sorry, burn it all down. Because what I don't want to see is just be something that they go to, like their well. Um, kind of, Dane, you can agree to this, kind of how Arrow used the um, – the, uh, the Lazarus Pit, to where it was just like, yep. well, Laurel died. Well, why can't we just take her to the Lazarus Pit? Because, stupid, we need storylines. So we can't just be bringing everybody back to life. We need some people to actually die so it can further the story. So I like that. Um, you know, so as a character, like, let's say, maybe in Infinity War, his mom dies. Like, they can't run 
to that secret room and go get an herb and bring his mom back. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that that's gone, hopefully for good, so we don't have to worry about the idea of like, oh, well, a random guy who hates the Chalo snuck in there, found one, and ate it. Now he's strong too. Like I just don't want that to, to come back. Uh, it was great for what they used it for in this movie, but he burned it down for a reason. Let it stay going for a reason. There's only one Black Panther, and, you know, the, he got his herbs, so he's back to normal, so we don't need to see any more about that herb whatsoever. Um, all right, so let's move on to our favorite character. Now, I, I put on here just favorite character in sense of one, but I'm going to stretch it out to two. Who are your two favorite characters and why? Um, Dane, I'm going to start with you first, actually. Well, I think that everyone, I, I kind of forgot the format of where we're going, so I have already revealed uh, the two of them. But, um, yeah, <laughs> obviously T'Challa is going to be very close to top. But, man, I felt like, I felt like all the women, don't, 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 uh, don't get me wrong, Deny, Lupita, you know, uh, Angela, all of them. But Latita Wright as Shuri was remarkable. Uh, she's one of my favorite MCU characters now to date. Um, yeah, I knew about her in the comic books, but her performance as that character was spot on. It was fun. The, what are those? You know, based off that, that, uh, that vine was hilarious. Talking about uh, T'Challa's shoes. Uh, I thought she was great. Everything that she did, um, was fun. Uh, you know, also uh, Winston Duke's uh, Mbaku, you know, just, it, it wasn't just the humor. It was just like the fact that they were so layered, um, especially Shirty. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, I know that people, you know, we kind of talked about this, Juwan, and, you know, going forward, we're getting to a point where Tony Stark, or at least Robert Downey Jr. is going to be getting, doing something. And I don't think it's going to be going forward after Avengers 4. So this character, yeah, she kind of does have a very resemblance to Riri. And I know people's apprehension of why not just use both characters. But if they were to, you know, like I suggested, uh, she goes over either to work with Tony Stark's company or Tony's still alive, maybe takes like a back seat and is like doing such a program that her and Peter are involved in. And, you know, really, even though she's more tech savvy than, than Tony, kind of like working, proves herself. If she wanted to become Ironheart, I think that would be awesome, and I think that it would make sense that if she's this princess, that, you know, T'Challa would want to keep her off the radar, and she can become that character and use her, you know, her name, Riri, and kind of do that. I think that would be a really cool concept to go forward and do, and if someone's going to be like, it's not like comics! I just, I just told you, Killmonger, how much they changed and added characters from other ones and changed things around to fit the narrative, so... If I, you know, I, I don't know if it could happen, but the fact that I don't think we're going to get another three Iron Man films to introduce Riri, this would be a good way to go around it. It would be a good tribute to the character, a little, uh, you know, tip of the hat. And if you want her to become Black Panther, you know, if she grows with this character and she's still doing well, you know, 10 years from now or however long, you know, maybe she, she took some of those herbs and she put them to the side or some shit, and she becomes the next Black Panther after Chadwick Boseman wants to step down. Same thing. I, I would rather not recast if we don't have to and keep on going and progressing forward. If we have to, that's fine, but I think that would be a really cool concept. She's a great actress. I couldn't believe that she was 24 when I found out about that. I, her relationship with T'Challa or, or with Chadwick Boseman reminded me of my, my sisters. It was very sibling-like. I loved it. I loved how she was like his cue from James Bond. You know, that was definitely the James Bond element, especially the, 
the the scene at the um at the uh the the oh man the scene in China I believe my brain all of a sudden just shut off but yeah the <laughs> casino uh reminded me of the James yeah. Bond aspects like we we're talking about the Lion King stuff so she was definitely if he's Bond the Q or even you could say the Alfred if you will or or you know um or more the Jarvis. character uh yeah the Jarvis or, or, or whoever you know. That's what I liked about it is that there was that, that, that type of dynamic. And, uh, yeah, I love Winston Dukes and Baku. I don't really want him to become a villain now, which sucks because he's supposed to be a villain. But he was great, and I kind of want to see him team up and help out at some point T'Challa in the future in another movie. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And to everyone who doesn't like the idea, Dane, that we're putting out there of Shari becoming, um, you know, Ironheart, think about it like this. And this isn't something that's difficult to wrap anyone's brained around. The character in the comic's name is Riri. The character in the movie's name is Shari. So you you telling me it's a stretch for them to nickname her Riri when her name is already Shari, it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me. And it wouldn't be like something that it's like they had to completely change Shari now to become Riri. No, you already have you already have the components of Riri in Shari. So all you have to do is just say we're making Shari Ironheart. Like, there, there isn't anything you really have to explain. You can even have it be a scene to where, and I was joking with you about this, Dane, to where in Infinity War, because we do know Shari is in Infinity War. That's not a spoiler or anything. Um, there could be a scene to where, you know, she's in the lab with, with Stark, and Stark's like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I got this. And then she goes, no, 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 trust me. I know more about this technology than you do. And then she puts something really cool together, and he goes, wow, how would you like a job? And then T'Challa just walks up and goes, nah, she's in Wakanda. You know, like, she's supposed to stay here in Wakanda. And then, like, uh, you know, Shuri and, and, and Stark kind of just, like, wink at each other. And then maybe, you know, we have a storyline of, uh, you know, however Avengers 4 ends or whatever, maybe he had a mentor uh, role for, for her, trying to mold her into becoming the, you know, the replacement for Iron Man. That's not that far-fetched to me. Um, and, and I don't think that that would be an injustice to Riri or Shari. I think you combining someone and actually fleshing out um, her, you know, her character more and, and expanding yeah. what that character can mean in maybe the next 10 years, I think is great. Her alongside Peter Parker, Doctor Strange, um, hopefully Valkyrie, they, they turn Valkyrie into the next story. Like, that'd be amazing, having a female uh, Iron Man to go alongside Valkyrie, and Captain Marvel, Doctor Strange, like that'd be awesome. Um, and there's a lot of great things that they could do with that. So well, to everyone, not only that, that, that's far fetched. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. Well, not only that, you can have a follow up scene. Then Avengers Four, it becomes more prominent that she wants to go over and learn from Tony and kind of like figure out stuff. Go to America, like you know, change her environment. She's getting older. Even though she's 24 in real life, I don't think they're projecting that in the movies. I think they want her where she's younger and stuff like that, which is good. Yeah. Maybe she wants to explore the world a little bit more, learn from other people and stuff like that. And you can have this clever scene where she's kind of trying to figure out her name, even like you suggested. Or a girl her age is going to be listening to a popular pop artist. It's Rihanna. Or she does by Riri. Maybe she just likes that, picks up something else, puts it together real quick, and is like, see, T'Challa, I can, just, I can have this identity, go over there, and we don't have to worry about anything, blah, 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 blah. It's so easy. It's not... There's so many characters in the Marvel Universe, I doubt we're going to get around to all of them. So if you can kind yeah. of, like, take certain things, attribute it, it's honestly, it's, it's very similar to how they made Killmonger. You take the – you take certain – and they've done this with lots of characters in the past. You take certain aspects of other characters and make them one 
prominent character, but I'm done talking, so I'll just uh, <laughs> No, really quickly before I pass it to you, Chris, I, I, I agree. And, and the main thing, the, the because I know a lot of people are saying to us, like, you know, you, you don't have to, to force it. It's not forcing it. And if she doesn't become Ironheart, then that's fine. I love her character for, for, for who she is. But I will say this. There is a point to where, like, I do hope the MCU is around 15 to 20 years from now. So if it is, I do like the idea of instead of recasting Robert Downey Jr., just pass it on to somebody who's already a part of the universe. Like, you know, and everyone flipped out when they thought they were trying to make uh, Peter Parker the new Iron Man. They're like, no, just let Spider-Man be Spider-Man. Okay, cool. So if we're doing that, somebody has to become Iron Man. I don't want you to recast them. So you know what I'm saying? So I'd be fine with the idea of an Ironheart as his replacement. Um, and I know Joel is going to be listening like, oh, they're calling me out. We are, Joel. Anyway, um, Chris. I'm uh, not. I'm not. Yes, I am. <laughs> Chris, what are your um, – uh, who are your two favorite characters? I forgot what the topic was talking so much. Who are, you two, who are your two favorite characters? Well, Dane kind of mentioned it, man. I got to go with the ladies in this one. First of all um, – Lupita was she was ex- exceptional. Not that we didn't think that she would be, but she was exceptional. Her whole fight, kind of within herself, to you know being T'Challa's ex, and you know knowing that he wants her to stay and maybe even you know rekindle what they had possibly, and she's kind of standoffish about like she still loves him, but she's trying to stand strong and let him know that you know I can't stay and kind of doesn't want to fall into that. And of course, we see what happens at the end. I just think she played that just perfectly. I mean, you know, she didn't have to sell it. It, it just seemed so natural the way she went about it. So I'm, I'm, you know, so she definitely exceeded my expectations. Like I knew she would be good, but everything was so effortless with her, you know, from my point of view, the way she played that character and her relationship, not only with Wakanda, but with T'Challa. Um, and I want, I want so bad to put Winston Duke in there. Dane talked about it. Winston Duke was phenomenal. I wish we could have seen just a tad bit more of him, but I guess they played it just right. But the absolute favorite here to me, it's, it's just like Dane said, it's got to be Shuri, man. Latidia Wright was like, basically every scene she was in, she stole it. This is, you know, the wittiness, the, uh, some of the, uh, the lines, the one-liners, you know, Dane hit on it, you know, what are those, you know, I, you know, I call, you know, she puts, you know, he gets the, you know, the boots on, I call those sneakers, you know, phenomenal. Everything that she did, everything that she said. And then did you see her eyes light up, man? Remember when she was there, um, you know, they were there, and then Everett Ross wakes up, and he sees the vibranium, you know, going through on the little train-like setup, you know, on the tracks and everything. He starts asking questions, and her eyes light up because somebody's asking her, something basically about technology. She was like, obviously, you know, and she gets excited, you know, and starts talking to him and telling him what's going on. To me, she stole every scene that she was in. Um, and, and, and the whole concept, too, of the, uh, the, you know, the little sister thing, you know, you know, I've got a younger sister, and I remember she kind of the same way. She kind of liked everything I did. She looked up to me. But we had that same relationship, too. You try to be slick. Like, like when she flips the child of the bird, you know, and that, you know, as he frees up. You know, that, that's brother and sister thing, you know. So, without a doubt, she is my absolute favorite in this movie, period. Like, like I said, she just stole everything that she, you know, every scene that she was in. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, I I also have a younger sister, and I would definitely say she is almost a hundred percent like like Sherry was. Um, it was just really cool to see that uh, she just she was such a fun character. That's what I'm saying, man. Her wit, her her you know not not only one liners, but her comedic timing was just so stark. It's just like, come on, yeah. man, that is the perfect person to to yeah, lead the like, new frontier. Go ahead, how about like when she? I just want to throw in. How about when she? You know, when they were there, and she and she asked immediately. You know, just before she fixed him the bird. You know, um, you know, did, did he freeze? You know, did he freeze up? You know, you know what I'm saying? And you see her eyes like she knew the answer to that. Like exactly. You know, she was phenomenal, man. Exactly. I'll even say um, the scene before where she specifically told him, "Don't freeze. You're gonna see her. Yeah. You're gonna bring up old memories." Don't freeze. He gets down there. He sees her, and what does he do? He freezes. That was that was really good. And, I, and usually, I, when jokes last, when jokes like that last more than one uh, one scene, I'm just like, all right, enough already. But when she said it, it was just so it was just so well timed to where you're thinking this is a real serious moment. The Black Panther has returned, and then you get, did he freeze? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it was it was a really fun moment. And it, it had a lot of humor to it, and I I, I loved her character. Um, Go on. Kanan. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. Well, I was just going to say, we kind of, you just talked about her a little bit. I, we are, we talked about Lupita, and she was incredible. Um, like like Chadwick Boseman, both both those actors are so incredible about being able to be so hard-headed and, and, and direct and aggressive, but then be, you know, emotional at the same time and, and vulnerable uh, and just like the little things, uh, like when she was like getting onto the child, like, why'd you come here? And then he's like, my father died. And then she kind of changed. Well, not a lot of actresses could be able to pull that off. She's, she's definitely an Oscar winner for a reason, but also for someone that has not had a lot of on-screen stuff, uh, I love her as Michonne, but deny amazing in this movie. And I think that she is also going to blow up from this. And I, I, I feel like she's going to be like forgot about a little bit, but the action scenes, the directness, the emotion. When she was telling, you know, uh, Angela Bassett, I can't. I'm, I follow the throne, even though I don't want to. I have to. Like, she did a really damn good job, and I just wanted to kind of, like, throw it out there because you reminded me of, of, of her character. So, yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it, and just to piggyback that really quickly before I pass it on to you, uh, Kanan, it reminded me, she reminded me of Sarabi. Remember when Mufasa died and Scar took over the, the role as king? She had to yep. become his wife. Like, she didn't have any choice. She has to follow the throne. And it, it reminded me of that to where it's just like, you know how much she hates the idea of, of supporting uh, anyone besides T'Challa, but she has to. Uh, the Dormelage follow the king, and she has to, she has to do her job. Uh, she, she didn't want to. Uh, and even, I'll say a scene uh, that even further back to what you're saying that people should remember and not really forget is when the, the rhino is, is, is stampeding and then she steps in front of it, the rhino stops and the guy stops, uh, you know, that she was dating. And it was one of those things where it was just like, nah, son, you, you, re- you really want to fight me? And then he was just like, nah, I don't. <laughs> like, that was the end of it. So, you know, her character definitely had a lot of great moments. Her tossing off her, her, her wig and throwing it at the guy. There's a lot of fun, uh, really oh, that, great moments. Did, that did anyone out. get the fact that 
if you've seen if you've seen uh, Denai on um, Talking Dead, she's talked at length about how much she hates that friggin' wig that she has to wear from Michonne. So I don't know if it was enough from Ryan Coogler, but I'm assuming it was where she was like, "How do you wear this?" Because she was complaining about the same concept. So I thought that was really funny. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. It, it took me a while to realize that she she wore a wig as Michonne. Um, I don't watch Walking Dead as much as I, I, I should. Um, so I, I never really noticed that. But w- once I did, yeah, I was you're not like, missing yeah, out. It, well, thank you. Because um, I, I don't want to have to go through and watch it all again. Um, but, you know, once I saw that scene of Black Panther, I was just like, this is hilarious. She really hates that. People keep putting her in these damn wigs. Um, all right. We got Kanan back. We lost him for a quick second. Hey, Kanan. Um, all right. Who was your favorite character? Uh yeah, it was definitely a movie that was held together um by you know a, a lot of people. I mean, it's really hard to pick just two. Um, y'all, you know, pretty much covered uh you know my favorites. Uh, but I'll go into a couple others that uh um really weren't mentioned that I I felt I felt were you know strong characters as well. And I talked about him a little bit um, beforehand, but uh you know I feel like uh, Michael B. Jordan's uh, Killmonger. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, to see him, you know, kind of carry this weight on his shoulder this whole time, you know, knowing that, um, you know, his father was murdered, uh, you know, by his brother and pretty much, you know, be left to raise himself. Uh, you know, he's become a mercenary and, you know, his whole life has been to really, you know, like you said, to kill uh, T'Challa. I mean, and then for him to, when he does get to Wakanda, to just really, like, disrespect their whole culture. He just brings, like, a whole different attitude. Uh, and, I mean, he was a very effective villain. I mean, you see him orchestrate a divide with the tribes, and they're all out to, like, kill each other. I mean, uh, uh, Wakabi's turned. You know, he was so close with T'Challa at the very beginning of the movie. Now he's turned. You know, and he's out to kill, uh, um, you know, the Black Panther now. Uh, you know, you saw him, you know, this pretty much turn uh, M'Baku from pretty much being an outsider to come into the aid of T'Challa after he told him he wouldn't. Uh, you know, like I said, he's, you know, you wanted him to die, but then, like I said, at the end, you realize, you know, that, you know, he just – you know, he's a product of, of society. He's a product of America. Um, I said this on Twitter that, you know, Killmongers lived in America, whereas T'Challa grew up in Wakanda who lived uh, a sheltered, hidden-away life, but there was love and peace there, whereas, you know, Killmonger grew up in Oakland, I mean, in America, where, you know, they're not sheltered from that kind of stuff. They're dealing with racism all the time. They're dealing with uh, people getting killed, and he's going around the world as a mercenary, and he sees these people being a change, but he's just taking a very extreme approach uh, to what he's doing. So I think, you know, he, you know, like I said, that's why I really wanted to see more of him because he was that effective, um, you know, as a character overall. Uh, you know, secondly, um, I, I think. Uh, you know, I think you have to go uh, with, um, you know, I would go with Nakia. I really do think Akoi was the strongest female lead for me uh, just because, 
you know, she was a fearless warrior just the way, um, you know, she stood her ground. I mean, that moment at the end when uh, I know there was a, a little bit of a moment where it was a funny moment where the rhino licks her face, you know, because, there, you know, there's a connection between her and Wakabi. But when he gets off and he looks her in the face and says, you would kill me, and, you know, she doesn't hesitate. She's like, for my country, yes, I would kill you. It just like, man, you know, it just goes to show, like, the kind of pride that they had, you know, you know, and the honor that she had in her role. So, uh, but Nakia just was a strong female character because she, you know, she held her own ground, you know, and she was just willing to do uh, whatever she could to try to, you know, you know, save her country as well. Um, not just necessarily uh, uh, T'Challa, but she was willing to save Wakanda, whereas Akoi, you know, by her um, duty to the throne, you know, was going to stay and, and you know, do whatever she could uh, to honor the throne with Killmonger, even though she knew it was wrong. So, like I said, it's really hard to pick one person out of this film because everybody did such a great job. Uh but, I mean, as far as, like, overall character development in one movie, this is a short amount of time. I think, uh, you know, Michael B. Jordan, I think he nailed it. Um, it was kind of hard seeing him like that since he normally plays, um, you know, good guy type roles. But just to kind of see him, uh, you know, be that type of person that you just want to hate so bad. And then at the end, you're kind of, like, feeling sorry for him. You know, it's just that, that's a true testament to his abilities as an actor. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with everything you guys are saying, and and those characters are definitely the the, the standouts. Um, and it's funny, it's rarely, you know, you rarely get a situation, especially in superhero movies, to where your favorite is everyone outside of the main character. I'm not saying that you guys didn't love Chadwick Boseman at all, but it's just one of those things to where it's like. When I saw um, Civil War, like, we know what we're getting from Stark. We know what we're getting from, from Cap. T'Challa and Peter stood out to me. Uh, and it's just mm-hmm. the same kind of feeling for, for Black Panther. Like, we, we saw a little bit of T'Challa. We knew Chadwick Boseman completely owned that role. We knew that he had what it takes to be the Black Panther. We now get a larger sample size of that. Those other characters were the ones that we had question marks, not because of their acting ability, but because this is the, you know, just the pressure that this movie had, um, you know, it was, it was, it was going to be interesting to see how they portrayed those characters on screen and everyone knocked their characters out of the park. I would say if I had to pick one that was my favorite, it'd be Lupita's character. Uh, you guys know I'm horrible at names, so I'm going to say a lot of people's real names because I'm just horrible at remembering names. Nakia. Um, and the reason why, okay, thank you. Reason why she was my favorite was because she, um, her bottom line was exactly what Killmonger became. She was trying to tell T'Challa, if we don't reach out and help other people, things like Killmonger happen. Like that happens. People who don't have what we have, people who can't experience life the way that we experience life, um, this is what comes from it. You know, and, and it was so powerful to see that at the end of the movie, T'Challa realized that. He realized, you know, having that moment with Killmonger at the end, like, if I don't do something, not necessarily there'll be more Killmongers, but this is what people are going through outside of Wakanda, something that he didn't really care about. And what was so funny was, I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Ultimate Avengers 2, the, the animated DVD. 
his people, uh, the Wakandans, was very strict about we do not help outsiders. We could care less about what they're going through. We don't help outsiders. And T'Challa was the guy after, you know, becoming friends with, with uh, Captain America. He was the guy that was like, we have to help the outsiders. You know, like, how can we, we live with ourselves knowing that we have all these advancements, all these abilities, and we're not using them to help people? Um, so it was fun to see the movie switch that to where T'Challa had the views of his father, which was kind of along the lines of, my problems are Wakanda Center. Like, I don't really care what goes on outside of it. And you had other characters that were like, nah, man, we got to try to make a change, uh, you know, for the better for outside of Wakanda. So that was really fun to see. And she was a, a favorite character of mine because she was, to me, the heart of it, the heart of the story. Um, or one you know of the what? hearts of the stories. Go ahead, Dan. I'm sorry. I'll even say that um, if you're talking about fictional characters, the relationship between T'Challa and uh, Eric Killmonger, very, very similar to Charles Xavier and Magneto uh, in lots yep. of ways, the way that they look at things, the way they perceive things. Even at the end where, where obviously due to uh, you know, his surroundings and what he's gone through, Eric Killmonger has gone from being, you know, like uh, if you look at Magneto and Charles Xavier, they're always kind of like branched off of uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X, and there's definitely a lot of quality right. too, but like Magneto and Eric Killmonger, they've kind of gone in a Hitler almost direction where it's genocide, kill all of them, you know, we need to be the strongest, and that's not T'Challa. T'Challa wants to help everyone. You know, he wants to look after his people, he wants to look after everyone and try to make everything better and for all of us to be in one society and harmony and stuff like that, and I love that concept of the characters because – it just gives them a lot of layers. And like I said, that whole Charles Xavier type of principle of like, you know, no, we should not be causing more violence towards people. We should show them that we're, we are the good people, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's, it, the similarities were there. And it just proves that Michael B. Jordan's performance is one of the best superheroes, I think, story-wise in at the MCU and all comic movies and just villains in general. Yeah. No, <clears throat> I completely agree with you. Um, all right. So, Excuse me, sorry. Yeah, I love that parallel, Dane, um, of those two being like Xavier and um, in in uh, Magneto. Uh, definitely a parallel. And honestly, I'd say in X Men Three, the only thing about that movie that that was bearable outside of Hugh Jackman uh, was how powerful that scene was when Charles, not Charles, um, Magneto had to watch Charles die. Um, you see that it hurt him, but he couldn't let it show. Um, he knew that the war was bigger than the two of them, that he needed Gene to help him, uh, you know, wage war. Um, so it was definitely something that hurt him. Same way, uh, you know, having to take out Killmonger affected T'Challa. He did want to, <laughs> you know, put him in a cell, but, you know, try to rehabilitize him. And, you know, when it didn't work out, it did hurt him. It, I mean, it hurt him enough to where he changed his views on life. Like, you know, maybe we should do more and just only worry about ourselves. So, you know, you love a villain that not only can uh, affect the, the hero physically, but emotionally. Um, so that was really good to see the, the, the parallels between that. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk, and this is only one. Let's talk our favorite scene. What was your favorite scene out of the movie? Um, Chris, I'll start with you. What was your favorite scene? Um, so we're only picking one. I would probably have to say then 
um, probably right just near the beginning. I, I'll just go there. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier uh, when we see the Black Panther about to spring into action and he and Okoye, they're still in the ship. And the whole conversation that they have, we talked about, you know, initially she's the first one that said something about don't freeze. Um, and then we all of a sudden, he says, I never freeze and all that. And he crosses his arms, you know, crosses chest and drops down in true Black Panther fashion. And he starts, you know, throwing out, you know, you know, he starts falling through the air and he's ready to do battle. That, that whole entire scene from that part all the way through when he first has the conversation with Nakia and then um, Okoye comes down and, you know, says that I knew that you would, uh, told you not to freeze. I knew you were going to freeze, whatever. You know, <laughs> I just think, I just think that's just the way to really start a movie, man. Like we get a lot of these movies um, a lot of times where it takes a while to really get to any type of action. Uh, we have to go through um, a backstory, which is necessary in a lot of cases, but sometimes they, they take too long building it up or, getting to a part, or they may have an action scene early in the movie, but it's not really all that fulfilling. But I think they just did a great job with that whole, you know, that whole entire deal, you know, starting with that part from, you know, when they're in the ship and he drops down to actually uh, saving the kid who was actually on the mission, actually. So that's probably my favorite scene I would get. Yeah, and I will say uh, I always uh, thought Black Panther was, was a, a black version of Batman. Uh, and I definitely got that feel from where he uh, he had the high ground. And, you know, very Batman-like, uh, just sitting at the top of the tree, un, you know, uh, you know, couldn't see him, couldn't hear from him until he wanted you to. And when, when he wanted you to was when he took you out. Uh, I thought that was really, really, really cool. I had the dog barking at the cat in the tree. I thought that. That was funny, also. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. then it got it got right into the action. He took the guys out, um, and I love that Nakia stops him from taking out that kid uh, yeah. who didn't want to be a part of it. Uh, he was just a prisoner of circumstance, um, and she was like, "Nah, we gotta let him go." Um, you know, I love that also. Uh, that that was a really good scene. I'm reliving it in my head now. That that was a really good scene. Um, That's how you start a movie, it, man. That's kind of how you start a movie, man. Absolutely. Well, technically. Technically, it started with a, a, a jaw-dropping moment when his dad confronted uh, Killmonger's dad. That was just like a, yep. whoa, what? What's happening here? Yep. And then, yep. boom, get right into the, the, the thick of things with the action, the story and everything. Um, so, yeah, that is exactly. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to mention real quick, since you brought that up, because, you know, I, I did mention that whole scene from the beginning and that, and, you know, they, the kids on the blacktop playing basketball and then we switched to the apartment scene. How sweet was that part, though, when um, a couple of the, you know, the women from the Adora, Milaje, you know, the Adora Milaje come in and, you know, the action, you know, just to verify who he is and all of a sudden the light goes out after he verifies who he is and then next up we see T'Chaka as soon as the lights come back on. That was That was crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'd even I'd even say what I thought the the best moment from that scene was, besides you know just the pure emotion of that scene, was when he goes, "Should I answer?" And he goes, "Yeah, they ain't gonna knock again." <laughs> just like, yeah, because they won't. <laughs> they were gonna handle business however they needed to. Um, Dane, I'll go to you. What was your favorite scene? Oh, my favorite scene definitely was the casino scene. That was. I love the ending. I love the beginning. There's a lot of cool stuff, but that casino scene was awesome. Um, that's yeah. It's 
I mean, obviously, like I said, besides the stuff like the Q-like stuff with uh, Shuri given, you know, different type of tech, that was a James Bond, Mission Impossible, badass action scene. I love how Claw, we didn't really talk a lot about Andy Serkis' Claw, who was great in the whole movie. Facial expressions, kind of Gollum-like sometimes, a little bit. But um, I, I just thought that whole scene was awesome, how just, like, everything goes to shit. And, you know, Akoi was, like, just, just bitching about, like, we need, to, we need to, like, stay focused, do this, quit doing that, blah, 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 yelling at him. And then finally she's like, all right, screw it. And everything starts going to hell. Great scene afterwards with the, the chase scene. And uh, just, just, just awesome stuff, man. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think that was specifically my favorite scene. Yeah, and I'll say some of the best dialogue came from that. And the best moment of your best scene, Dane, was Stan Lee. <laughs> that Stan Lee cameo. I that think was, I'll uh, take this show over here. <laughs> that was very well done and very funny. Um, but I'd even say the funniest line out of that scene <laughs> was uh, when he said, you got quite the entourage. And then he said, he said I'm making a mixtape. Do you want to hear it? And then he was kind of telling this guy, Get me the SoundCloud link. And then he goes, dude, I don't have time for this. Let's, yeah. let's do what we're here to do. I thought that was hilarious. Andy Serkis was amazing. Um, and you're right. We, we haven't really said much about it. But I think that's purely because there's just so many other characters to say great things about. Someone is going to get left off. Um, but, yeah, he was amazing in this movie. Um, Kanan, what was your favorite scene? Yeah, well, to – to say something real quick about the casino scene, the the funniest mm-hmm. moment to me of the entire movie uh, was when Nakia is still sitting in the car seat and it comes sliding down the road and the car is just obliterated <laughs> behind her. That yeah. that scene right there, yeah. the entire audience in the theater just busted out laughing. That was, I mean, because she's still in the seat. I mean, the cars exploded, <laughs> and she comes sliding down. So that that was, to me, the funniest thing. The best, my favorite scene, uh, and one of the most beautiful scenes, was the uh, the coronation scene when they're they're coming down the river. Uh, you know, they're playing the their their music, their their drums. They're all decked out in their garb. Uh, you know, they're just in full royal, uh, you know, dr- dress. And then the water. Uh, stops, you know, in the cliffs, and you got everybody standing on the cliffs, you know, and he gets off the ship, and, you know, just that entire scene uh, was great. Plus, we got that, you know, that really cool um, action sequence with him and uh, Mbaku. Uh, it was just it was just so well done. I mean, everybody's there, uh, and it also had that, I mean, and Shuri, you know, had one of the funniest moments uh, in the movie at that point, you know, because she raises her hand and everybody's looking at her like, oh my gosh, you're really about to fight for the throne. And she's just like, can we hurry this up so I can take this off? And so, <laughs> I mean, it, visually and and just the entire moment, you know, because, you know, seeing, uh, you know, his mother just so proud that he's finally taken the throne. I mean, just that entire scene, uh, you know, was really good. So, uh I thought Ryan Cooler just did a, a great job of kind of trying to represent, um, you know, probably true to life African tribes, you know, with just their, their ceremony, you know, the dresses and stuff that they wear. Um, I, I thought, you know, that was, uh, you know, just really well done. Like I said, it's one of the most beautiful scenes in the, in the film for sure. And, uh, just had a lot of meaning. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. <clears throat> that that scene that you're referring to when he was fighting, um, oh man, forgot his name. I told you guys, my memory is horrible. Um, Mbaku. Yes, Mbaku. Um, that showed you why that character should be a villain in in future films. Like that fight scene between the two of them was just so. I don't want to say violent. It wasn't necessarily violent, but just so good. That was some good uh, combat between the two of them. Ryan Coogler can do can do uh, scenes really well, man. Um, I, I loved everything about that scene. I think if I had to go for uh, what my favorite scene was, it would have to be the the, the ending where um, Killmonger and uh, T'Challa are both looking out at the uh, at the sky, looking out over the city, and as, as Killmonger is on his way out, just that moment that they share with each other to where it's just like, I, I understand why you did what you did. Uh, and, and it was one of those moments that T'Challa really didn't want him to, to die, um, but understood his reasoning to why. Um, he couldn't stay. You know, I, you think I'm going to stay here and be your prisoner? You know, I, I've pretty much been a prisoner in my own body, uh, you know, this entire time. So I, I love that scene, uh, and it really touched me more than anything else. Um, oh, oh, uh, right. I just thought of Go something. Ahead, Before yeah. we move on, I, I, this is not 100%, uh, but I was listening to John Campion's podcast, and he thinks, and I need to go see the movie to find this out, but if this is true, it just puts more emphasis on how great the story is. If not, I mean, it still works out regardless. But that first scene that you see uh, where it seems like it's T'Chaka talking to T'Challa, he noted that he's seen the movie four times, and the kid doesn't seem like he has an accent. And what he thinks actually who it is is actually Sterling K. Brown's character, the Jabu, telling uh, you know uh, Michael B. Jordan's character, Killmonger, the whole story. So that, that's, that's actually them two and not T'Chaka and T'Challa. I found that really interesting, so I thought I'd bring it up because it popped in my head. Yeah, that, that's really interesting, and, and lucky for Schnapp, he got to see it that many times. Uh, I'm hoping to get around to that number sometime this upcoming week. That is really interesting. Uh, Chris or uh, Kanan, I'll go to you first, Chris. Do you guys have anything to add to what Dane just said? No. What, actually, what, go ahead. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Chris. No, oh, go ahead, Chris. That's fine. No, actually, I don't. I, that's kind of interesting, and I didn't catch that. Um Wow. Um, maybe if I go see it a third time, I'm going to have to check that part out. Because um, <laughs> so, that yeah, so is what, very interesting. Yeah, so what it – okay, so explain again exactly what he's explaining. Uh, I know you said that uh, he didn't have the accent. Are, uh, what, what, are you talking about the very beginning of the movie? Yeah, the, the almost uh, Wonder Woman or Lion King part where he's explaining to the kid uh, the voiceovers about the history of the Black Panther and the Panther God Bass and all that and the whole lineage. Um, the kid apparently doesn't have any type of accent. Uh, so, I mean, unless they kind of messed it up and it's not big of a deal, what, what Campia thinks is basically it's, it's uh, whatchamacallit, Najabu talking to, to Eric, his son, and telling about it instead of T'Challa oh, okay. or T'Chaka telling it to T'Challa. Well, okay. okay. I mean that that I mean that could very well be the case and stay open with them. Um, but yeah, I definitely have to uh, watch it again and uh, and take a look. But that that you know that would be you know that'd be pretty interesting. But I mean they he did have that kind of moment with uh, um, you know with his son once he found that you know the book 
know, he kind of went in and, and was explaining it. But, yeah, I'll definitely have to listen again. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Thanks for adding that in, Dane. That is actually something uh, I'm now looking forward to uh, seeing when, when I see it again, hopefully uh, within the next day or two. Um, yeah, that's actually a really good tidbit. Um, let's, let's move on. I'm going to kind of group these two together. Um, we had an end credit scene to where um, I'm, I'm not going to go the more political one because, uh, you know, we can get into that in a second. I'm going to go more so the Infinity War connective uh, tissue to that. Um, we see uh, kids just messing around with someone, uh, and it looks like a hut or something like that. Uh, you see Shari come in. She goes, leave him alone, and you see out comes Bucky. I'm going to say this. I was sitting next to my best friend Andrew uh, in the theater, and I kept saying to him, please be Solid Snake. Please be Solid Snake. And by that, I mean, of course, Steve Rogers. Um, I wanted to see him, man. I wanted to see and hear from him before I had to wait all these months till, till May to see him. Um, but we got Bucky. He came out. Now, that isn't what was the shocker, because we assumed it was all going to – we all assumed it was probably going to be Bucky. Uh, what shocked me was what they called him. The kids called him White Wolf. Um, and White Wolf is the character Dane was alluding to earlier in the show. Um, and I thought that was really, really interesting. So what I, what I looked back into was the trailer. And in the trailer, it looks like Bucky is leading an army of Wakandans. So I'm really curious when Shuri tells him we got a lot, we got a lot of work to do. Maybe are they, you know, changing Winter Soldier or Bucky rather into the actual character of the White Wolf that did had a, that did have an army of his own in the comics, uh, and is Bucky becoming that character? That'd be something really interesting if it is. And I mean, honestly, they should. I mean, hell, if you got Hawkeye becoming Ronan, why not have Bucky become White Wolf? Um, so the the two the two sided question to this is how did you feel about that end credit scene and did you feel as though it was a proper tie in to Infinity War or were you looking for something else of a connective tissue? Uh Dan, I'll start with you. Well when we um I definitely uh love this scene and I definitely got similar uh concept in my head of what they can do going forward. But I have an idea of where the next film can go when we talk about that as we go on. Um I'll reveal some more stuff of, of where I'd like to see the direction of uh, the second the sequel or what happens to Black Panther from here, basically. But when it comes to this and the whole White Wolf comment, I thought that was very, very, really cool. It could just be like a little nod. But if not, I mean, I don't know. There's a really weird relationship between T'Challa and, and Bucky Barnes. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I kind of hope he does. But just like Tony, I have no idea by Avengers 4 if we're going to have Cap. So saying that maybe he comes back and helps out T'Challa in the second Black Panther movie, you know, and puts on the White Wolf outfit, maybe it's actually more of like a tech-driven. So it's it's a similar it's a costume that that Shuri makes that's like all uh, makes him invisible. I'm trying to think of the word. I forgot exactly what it's called. Uh, cloak, like a cloaking cloak? mechanism. Yeah. So it looks originally like that costume, but then he turns it on. and He's like the predator, you know, and he goes and helps out. T'Challa, do whatever. Um, but, yeah, that's, that would be awesome. Um, that, that, that's what I thought about it. it. It really honestly could be a small nod. The thing is, White Wolf is a great character, and it would have been a great villain to use down the line, but they didn't establish him. And so, that, like you said, he's leading a bunch of, you know, uh, Dormilaji. So it would make sense 
that maybe he does have that. I don't know. I, that, that's a cool concept. It just they're not. I don't think they're going to use White Wolf at all. Uh, but if they combine aspects, I think that's cool. I know that some people have problems with that, but hey, uh, it could be really good storytelling. So. I will say this, Dane, in the uh, in the trailer, he wasn't leading the Dora Milaje. He was leading men. So that's oh. why I, I was making the connection of he could possibly, or they could be, like you said, blending the idea of, uh, of him being White Wolf. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Excuse me. And I'll say this, because I know a lot of people, if that is true, are going to complain. I would say the same thing, Dane, that me and you said uh, when people were complaining about Domino. This is the character majority of quote-unquote comic book readers had no idea about before they made that casting announcement, and now all of a sudden you're super defensive of a character. Five minutes ago you had no idea who they were. So I would say this to anyone who would get offended or whatever, have complaints about Bucky being White Wolf. I bet you half the people that got upset had no idea who that character was before you know they announced that Bucky might be that character. Now they look into him and they're like, now I got a reason to complain about something. So I, I always say people who complain about those things, you honestly probably knew nothing about that character. You just like to be one of those internet trolls that complain about anything. Um, but that's, like I said, that was the reason why I thought maybe that could, could lead into him becoming White Wolf. Um, but Chris, what were your thoughts? Well, basically with that, that, that kind of threw me for a loop when they did call him White Wolf. Um, especially anybody that's really familiar with the character itself um, and the way he was originally written as basically an adopted son to T'Chaka uh, even before T'Challa was born. Um, you know, they, they took him in. But I think it's interesting because assuming that uh, he does survive Infinity War, I know we're expecting some things to happen in that movie, um, it does open the door for a lot of things to happen Um in the next Black Panther movie, if that's where they choose to use him. And I, mean, I figure they would if he's going to be the White Wolf. Um, you know, and, you know, we see and we see in that trailer that he's leading, you know, a band of heroes, or he's right up front and he's running down, um, you know, the story. He was actually uh, head of a special police force for Wakanda. They had him doing some things, even spy missions and things. But I just think it opens up the door for a whole lot for us to possibly even see them uh, maybe in the future movies is some type of a, of a duo, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and to Dane, to your point, I think we're all expecting the idea of him becoming um, the next Captain America. My only question to that, and yep. this isn't a complaint, it's just a legit question, is um, all the bad things, even though we know he was brainwashed, but all the bad things that he did, would, would the government in society, now that they have all the information because of uh, what do you call it, um, Civil War, would they, be, would they be able to get behind the idea of this guy now calling himself Captain America? And, and you know, the last you know time what I, I heard of Captain America... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Dan. Well, you can finish, but I was just going to say, like, it, it, I understand that perception with people and stuff like that. You can have your cake and eat it. Everyone's going to... This is going to be also not a popular concept. You can have... Bucky or Falcon, neither one of them, I'm sorry, I don't think should go by Captain America. I think that's Steve and that's Steve. Now, Falcon can have the costume to give tribute and have that type of role for the government 
and have like that more of like in the public side, Captain America type of perspective, leading a group of Avengers and stuff like that. Well, Bucky can go by, he was Winter Soldier, call him Super Soldier. I mean, it's that easy or something like that, where he goes and does more of the espionage stuff like you saw in Winter Soldier. And, is, you know, they have the exact same costumes that they have. But that doesn't mean that Bucky can't maybe before that become White Wolf. Or White Wolf could just be a tech costume that looks just like the costume that he wears. And it kind of parallels the fact they call them White Wolf in, in this uh, thing. So, I mean, they can do it. It's, it's all about good storytelling. If they do it right, it can work. And you can have multiple things happen. It's just like when we were talking about Shuri becoming Ironheart and then later possibly becoming Black Panther. That still can happen. We have no idea when the MCU is going to voyage and, and, and crash and burn. I don't think anytime soon. Hello? Sorry, I had myself on mute. Sorry, I was talking, but I had myself on mute. I'm sorry. Uh, nice. I was saying, Dane, I apologize. Uh, sorry about that. I was saying, yeah, I, I, mm. I completely understand where you're coming from. And, I mean, we could even get uh, the, the sense of after Avengers 4, a lot of this main cast, whoever is still alive, is going to be on a long break uh, before there's another Avengers film. Excuse me. So maybe Cap doesn't even die. Uh, I told you my ultimate dream for Steve Rogers isn't to die. It's to become the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. so that we don't need another Captain America. We have him. He's just more of the espionage uh, Nick Fury type. Um, and Falcon can stay Falcon if he wants. Uh. He can have the red, white, and blue costume. And Bucky is free to be White Wolf in Wakanda or just stay Bucky. Um, you, you don't have to necessarily have a new Captain America. Uh, so I honestly Maybe don't US want Steve Rogers to die. Yeah, yeah, or that, absolutely. I, I don't want Steve to die. I'd prefer for him to become uh, the new face of S.H.I.E.L.D. Honestly, because we haven't seen enough from Maria Hill for me to, to be okay with her being the new face of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think Cap deserves that. Or maybe even Stark. So whoever doesn't die out of the two, I think should be the new face of, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but Kanan, what were your thoughts? Uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, I mean, I really I really felt like the... Uh, I really felt like the, uh, the last one with uh, Bucky was... Um, was a little, you know, was a little lackluster. I kind of would have liked to have seen it pick up uh, more. How the end credit scene did with Civil War, where they put him into the, uh, you know, the cryo freeze. Uh, I would have liked to seen for them to kind of either be bringing him out or, you know, repairing his arm or something like that. Just kind of uh, leading up. I mean, I know that we we get a glimpse of him, and that's kind of a tease to um, Infinity War. But we know in Infinity War he's got his arm back. Um, so, I mean, I, I just wish there was a little bit more lead up. Um, also, I wish that there had been, uh, maybe a hint at, um, the last infinity stone, because I'm still a believer that the stone is somewhere in Wakanda. That's the reason why you see Thanos' army in Wakanda to begin with. Uh, I've always believed that that was going to be, uh, the last place that, uh, the last stone would be at. Um, but, you know, all in all, I mean, the the that post credit scene was just very lackluster. Uh, coming from a really great movie, um, I feel like they could have expanded more. Uh, but other than that, um, you know, it didn't it didn't really do much. And, and I mean, that's fine because I mean, 
Infinity War doesn't need a, a whole lot of setup. But if you're going to show no. Bucky, it would have been cool to show him with his arm or, uh, like you said, maybe a hint at, uh, um, you know, maybe even a hint like when they're walking off, like, let's go see your friend. And then everybody's going to be like, oh, my God, he's talking about Steve Rogers. We know Steve Rogers is there. I mean, just just, just something along those lines would have been really cool. Yeah, I agree with you. And I will say, I won't say it on the show because I know a lot of people are going to go, you know, possible spoiler alert or whatever. But I can tell you guys after the show um, exactly where that last stone is. And, Dane, uh, a caveat to you, um, uh, you made a prediction about a certain character in Infinity War that I can now confirm you are 100% correct about. And you were one of the first people um, that I saw or heard that said it was that person, and everyone was like, "No, it's not." But you were right. Um, let's let's. I usually, on. oh my god, just say it, dude. Just spoiler alert, everybody. No. If you don't want to hear, just just say it. No. I mean, if you think. Well, you let know. me say this. Let me say this, Chris Dane. Be- before I possibly do say it, do you guys want to know? Or would you guys rather I I I, I don't say it? I mean, no, is it a hundred percent true? Can we confirm? Yeah, can we like run with it? I mean, uh, yeah. If you is, want, is it gonna? Yeah. <laughs> is it gonna? Is it gonna? Is it gonna back? Is it gonna backfire on us? Like if we if we run with it and then like all of a sudden, like it doesn't happen, they're gonna be like, oh, they're just a bunch of liars. I tell you what, if I if I say this and people remember it in May and it's wrong, then we deserve to be ripped. But I highly doubt if we're right or wrong, people will remember it three four months from now. <laughs> Hell, I don't even I don't even think we will remember it three four months from now. <laughs> Like, I just so, want to know that I'm right. I, I don't think that'll, I don't think that'll make a difference. Chris, are you okay with it before I go? Yeah. Okay, cool. So for anyone who does not want to hear it, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, possible spoiler alert. Giving you like this these few minutes while I'm just talking over this air to to mute it or whatever. All right, so cool. So the Soul Gym is uh, in Wakanda. It definitely is in Wakanda, so you're right about that. And, Dane, the scene I was referring to in the character was Bruce Banner is in the Hulkbuster armor. That is why when he landed, it seems so uncomfortable, like he hadn't been in that armor before. Um, it is Bruce Banner, not the Hulk, uh, but Bruce Banner that is in that, that uh, Hulkbuster armor. Wow. <laughs> so... That is the uh, now is he is guys, he Banner or is he wearing the armor as the Hulk? Well, from what from what I I got, and just so you guys know, this isn't like oh, Jawan knows someone uh, you know that has something to do with it. I don't. Uh, this is have, this has been someone who's been spoiling something for years now, and it's called Lego set. Uh, and in the Lego set, the Soul Gem is not only located in Wakanda. But they're they're showing that it's just Bruce Banner in the uh, in the Hulkbuster armor, not the Hulk. Oh, okay, yeah, Lego really fucks shit up. I, Lego yeah, has been I, ruining but, movies for years now. Go ahead, Ken. I'm sorry. But I no, I was gonna say, but I did say though, like when when I first joined, uh, you know, because everybody was speculating that it would be in Thor. I I just had a feeling, man. And I know they didn't show it, which was kind of a bummer, too. I would have loved to have seen it. But uh, I just had a feeling that it would be in Wakanda because you got Black Panther. It's the last movie right before. And Thor's already had so much to do with Infinity Stones to begin with. 
Uh, I just, yeah. you know, and then when I saw the trailer and I saw them in Wakanda, I was like, that's it, man. That's got to be it. I mean, there's got to be more to, uh, you know, more to it than that. So that that's great um, to get, you know, that confirmation. That'll be cool, you know, as well to see. Now, that would be pretty cool. I mean, I know you could. I mean, Thanos is big, gonna but, fuck Oh my gosh! Could you imagine? The, that, that is exactly uh, what Thanos is gonna. But, yeah, Thanos is gonna uh, f up a lot of places. So <laughs> I will say this. I will say this though. The main reason why you didn't hear about it in the movie is the same reason James Gunn said about uh, his Guardians movie. They just wanted it to not have the pressure of having to tell another story while telling their own story. So they thought. Let's leave that to the Russo brothers. They can completely handle that because uh, you can talk about the stone and through dialogue and then have that huge scene to where the Black Order is trying to retrieve it. They just wanted Black Panther to be its own movie. Uh, Bucky was, was the only nod that they were going to use because that character we know was in Wakanda. So I think a lot of people would have been upset if that movie ended with like no mention or, or showing of either Bucky or Cat. So I think that well, was the reason why the Soul Gem wasn't brought up in the actual movie. And I, and I and I get that, and that's what I love about about Black Panther is this is a very standalone film. It doesn't try to be anything but itself, and that's fine. But don't tell me that if you're sitting in that theater, and when Killmonger takes over, and Shuri and uh, and uh, Nakia, you know, they're all like, you know, they're telling Ross and all them, go get it. Do not let him find it. You know, and then Ross is like, what, the vibranium? And they're like, no, something much worse. And then people are going to look at you like, oh, my God, he's talking about the Infinity. I mean, just a major geek out moment. And then that's it. You don't have to show it. You don't have to do anything else. But you can't tell me that people would not have geeked out so bad knowing that that's what they're talking about. You know what's funny? There is nothing stopping us from getting that exact scene come beginning of Infinity War. Nothing stopping. I know, but and I'm it'd be, telling you, dude. It'd be worse. Once alien ships arrive and they kind of have an idea on what it's there for, yeah, we could have an, you know, a, a direct scene uh, just like that. But, um, all right, let's, let's move on to uh, uh, one of our final uh, topics here. Um, what villain do you believe they will use? Uh, Dane, I will start with you. What villain do you, would you like to see them use? Just one. Would you like to see them use for Black Panther 2? All right. Well, this is going to be basically throwing in how I'd like to see the next movie getting done. I'm going to try to do a brief concept. Um, I want them to go dark. Uh, I want them, if, if, if Winter Soldier was way darker than the first Avenger, that's the type of concept in tone. Like, that was an origin story. I want it, this to be about um, Black Panther specifically dealing with Africa and maybe getting more of a glimpse of, of warlords and, and, and child rebel soldiers have like a beast of no nation, not that dark, obviously, cause it's still gotta be a Disney film where he wants to stop that blood diamond. That type of concept is what he's going after. And it's much more of a secluded, like not necessarily political thriller, but like something on those lines, very winter soldier esque. And, and um, for villains, since we don't have a lot of them, like I've, I've alluded to uh, Moses Magnum, uh, definitely an Ethiopian terrorist. Uh, he has that type of concept form. He's not very well known. He's a Black Panther villain. You could use him. Uh, there's another character called Zenze, who's a female uh, mutant uh, that also is a terrorist. You could have these type of characters working together, or like maybe they're side characters for one of them specifically. But I would like 
that type of, of concept to be the main story-driven thing that T'Challa is going after, is trying to help his, his whole continent of Africa with some of the problem that's going on, especially specifically. Maybe he's, not, he's never really visually seen children having to do this, and he catches wind of it more of a personal level. They can explain it with a good story, but uh, those are definitely two. Um, I mean, the White Wolf concept I think we talked about, and I think that would be great if there is a team-up dynamic uh, where he has to work with, I love Captain America because I love Captain America and Black Panther, but if he's no longer along, you know, if they do bring Bucky in and maybe they do that cloaking device thing where it's a white wolf costume or whatever, and he's in that type of thing fighting with them for whatever reason, or maybe M'Baku helps him out. Maybe M'Baku's a villain. I just think that if you just do one extra villain, I think that you can put a lot of, open up a lot of people's eyes with a mainstream movie like this about shit like that that's going on, you know, the blood diamonds and everything. Um, and really be able to have a really good story, but still a superhero story of him saving people. Um, and you don't have a lot of uh, villains to mess with, so it's going to have to be some type of concept like that, unless they kind of go off the radar. Uh, like I said, there's there's not a whole hell of a lot left. Maybe Chris uh, knows something that I don't, but that is exactly what I would do. Something where it's more about, like, even though he's a dominant terrorist, it's him and maybe a couple other characters from the comics as his lackeys, if you will, or they work together with him. And it's that type of concept where he's coming in, taking out them, and trying to free these kids basically from being child rebel soldiers or something like that. Yeah, no, that, that's <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that's a great idea. Uh, Chris, because uh, Dane did did uh, pose the question to you, so I'll pass it right over to you. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Dane's picks, and who would you like to see be the main villain for Black Panther 2? Well, I thought he was spot on with Moses Magnum because one of Moses' uh, M.O.s was he was also an arms dealer. And we saw how that uh, concept was kind of dangled around, or at least the strip distrib- uh, distribution of what kind of weapons in this particular movie. So um, Moses Magnum could actually take a, um, you know, take a lot of his own you know, as being one of the next villains in, our, in, you know, in Black Panther 2. But the, what I had in mind, uh, I know you said once I was kind of, Quickly, there's actually two that I just grouped together. One of them was the original guy that uh, they wanted for the movie, which was Craven the Hunter. Would have been perfect, but of course, we know the whole deal with his rights and Sony and so on. But Craven would have been perfect for this movie, and it's kind of glad that he didn't get it now. Um, I love Craven, but we just saw the amazing job, of course, that Michael B. Jordan just did, so that, you know, we got what we got. But the other concept that I had, and I know a lot of people, when I first say the name, will be like, oh, not again. If there was, first of all, Black Panther, we've seen, it's already setting the stage for what it can do for other, you know, for the Marvel Universe and other characters you want to bring in. Why not make this a, a time where you can bring in, or maybe if you can get the, completely get the rights back to the Fantastic Four, Okay, and finally get it done right. Instead of introducing that movie as a standalone reboot or whatever, introduce them in the Black Panther movie. That way you can bring in Dr. Doom. I would love to see the Fantastic Four done right, Dr. Doom done right, and I think he would be perfect for the Black Panther in the next movie if they could figure that out. They won't, but I just think they'd be perfect. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would be great, man. And I'll, I'll say this: if Marvel gets right to to Fantastic Four, 
That means, like me and Dan have been preaching uh, for, for the longest, that means this current group of X-Men characters are out of the window, and Dane knows where I'm going with this, opens the door for Michael Fassbender to come in and play Dr. Doom himself. Um, yep. And I think Michael Fassbender's Dr. Doom versus Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther, that has box office written all over it. Uh, I freaking love that idea. I would love that. Um, un- unfortunately, uh, Kevin Feige, who has the greatest poker face of anybody on planet Earth, said even if they do get the rights, they have so many movies already established that it wouldn't be until, like, after, I think he said, like, 2020 or something like that, that we'd even get confirmation uh, about any of those characters being used going forward. But listen, we don't have a date for Black Panther Part 2, so... I, I'm fine well, with the idea of waiting hey, Cliff. until they, they, they're able to lock it down. Chris, yeah. how about I got, I'm the sequel and then you're the third film, so by then that can actually work out. That would well, be great. I, I'll, say, I'll say this, Dane. If I'm them, um, I'm not rushing Ryan Coogler to do a part two. If I'm them, what, what year are we in, 2018? I'm looking for a Black Panther sequel in 2021, I would say. Um, Because Avengers 4 comes out next year And then a year after we know Homecoming is getting its sequel So yeah, if I'm them, I'm I'm saying 2021 So hopefully by then they have the rights back to, you know, those characters And they they could use yours for that third film Something that's more grounded, more, uh, it it hits the home A perfect way to end it Maybe that's how T'Challa goes out And we get Shuri that replaces him So there's so many great things they could use with your premise, Dane, as a third film, and they could use Chris's idea of setting the stage for these new characters that are now entering the MCU. So they could definitely do it like that. And listen, Kevin Feige... Do our ideas, Marvel. I was just about to say, Kevin Feige, hire us. We're we're here to help, man. Oh, yeah. Hire Um, us. (laughs) Kanan, you have the great job of topping those two great ideas. Uh, Who would you you pick as the villain for Black Panther Part 2? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this, so don't don't stop me. But I really would like it to be one main villain, but then really like two uh, two villains. And I say this because I really would like to see uh, Daniel Brühl's character as Helmut Zemo really become the true Baron Zemo. And we know that uh, after the events of Infinity War, they can set it up to where Zemo sees that the Avengers did not destroy themselves that he failed in his mission uh he also was stopped from you know killing himself by uh t'challa so now he escapes he goes to wakanda on a mission to you know kill t'challa once and for all he sees that he's king he wants to ruin his life and in the process um in the comics uh they could introduce malice which is nakia's character they could find a way to, uh, you know, Zemo could brainwash her, you know, manipulate her in any way for her to turn on um, uh, T'Challa. Uh, you know, he has to go against both. And then something happens to Nakia, and then all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, we can introduce Storm uh, as the new queen. You know, I mean, after they get the rights and everything. It just kind of opens the door for uh, the X-Men and for Storm to come in. Um, So, I mean, I know there are people that 
you know, don't want to go that direction, but I think they could go that direction if they, if they really wanted to. And, um, you know, you still find a way for, you know, I guess that's a way to, uh, you know, write uh, her character out. Because in the comics, she, she did become the character of Malice and ended up being, um, you know, somebody that, you know, tried to kill, uh, you know, and T'Challa doesn't necessarily have to kill her, just something could happen. Uh, to her, and then that would, you know, once they get the right stakes, man, they could bring in Storm uh, as well. Yeah, I I mean, that's that's definitely a way that they could go, and listen, I think every fanboy, once we heard we were getting a Black Panther film, and then we heard Fox was trying to sell its movie rights, we were just like, listen, what a time to be a geek. I mean, if we could get, it'd be one of the first comic-accurate on-screen relationships, I think that we we would have. I can't really think of any other iconic comic book relationship that we've actually gotten um, that was literally accurate. Like, not the two characters were in the same show or movie at the same time. Like, no, they were together. Um, well, maybe still gonna fan cast. I'm still going to fan cast Janelle Monae. Just throwing it out there. I'm just going to say it. I think she'd be amazing. I'm still going to fan cast Ruth Nega. Uh, I think that's her name. I like that idea, too. Um, either one of those two two characters, even though I've desperately wanted Lupita to to be Storm. Yeah. Uh, I will forever hate uh, Brian Coogler for that. Like, dang, you should have had her name be something that was, like, similar to what Storm's name is. So if the <laughs> off chance was you got the character, you could spin it and now call her Storm. Uh, she just, she screams Storm to me. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love all those ideas. And, you know, you could easily use use two or three of those to, to pan out that, you know, that trilogy for Black Panther that he better get. I don't want to hear this crap of we're not doing trilogies anymore. He needs to, if we can get a Thor trilogy, we're, we better get uh, a Black Panther trilogy. Uh, and that is Shot Ride right. at you, Thor. Um, but I will say if I had to pick somebody to be the villain for Black Panther 2, I would go with someone that I think is overdue to get a either a big screen or a small screen debut. And I'm going to go with Taskmaster. Um, I, I like the idea of what Taskmaster could um, could bring as far as a villain yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in fighting-wise to, uh, to T'Challa. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to be a personal reason for their beef. It could be uh, he finds out, you know, now that the world knows about the idea of vibranium and everything like that, he wants them. He wants to, to create yeah. his own weapons and, and, and things like that. So when he gets a whiff of it, he tries to not only well, – I won't say infiltrate because it would be really hard to be the one one white guy in, in a whole nation of black people uh, and try to infiltrate them. Um, but, you know, he sneaks into Wakanda and tries to – That's not just crazy. Money. He's very crazy. So he, that would be something he would try to do. Um, but I'd love the idea of him him sneaking in there you know, maybe blowing something up that kills a lot of people in Wakanda, and now T'Challa, you know, is, is you know is is hell bent on making sure he stops Taskmaster, uh, you know, by any means necessary. I also kind of wanted to to piggyback off of the idea that you had, Kanan, of um, Daniel Brühl really becoming uh, Baron Zemo. If they use your idea, I would want them to really go all out with it and have Baron Zemo create his his own small little team that doesn't have to necessarily evil. be the masters of 
It doesn't necessarily have to be all the characters of Masters of Evil. It could be his own created team and have the Masters of Evil take on Wakanda. That would be, and they could have the same thing. They want the vibranium. They want to build weapons for themselves, uh, and, and you know, so they can take out the Avengers and everything. But they need those weapons, that technology. So he gets together his own team, Masters of Evil, and they go to Wakanda to wage war. Um, I think that would be an amazing story and an amazing way to go for a second film of, uh, of, of Black Panther. So I, I love that idea. And as you were saying it, Kanan, I was just like, you told me not to say nothing. So I'm like, all right, let me let you finish and then tell you how great of an <laughs> idea I thought that was. Uh, uh, so, yeah. Let me throw two more villains really quickly out there before I know yeah, we're kind of trying to wrap up. But two other villains that we could go with. One of them is Grim Reaper. Um, I, you got to figure out like a way. Mm-hmm. He is a villain of Black Panther. He's a villain of the Avengers, but him and Black Panther have had a past in the comics. He's a great character. You got to figure out a reason to get him on there. Uh, but he would also be someone like Taskmaster, where you could kind of like do something with him along those lines. And uh, old school character from Jack, Jack Kirby from way back in the day called Kybler the Cruel, who goes after Wakanda to try to. It's kind of like, in a way, like kind of like a Doctor Doom like character, where he's a tech. You know, uh, he wants basically Wakanda tech so he can take over the world, that type of thing. So if they want a simplistic type of concept, they could do that. Or with my idea, maybe he's the leader of all Moses and that whole entire organization or something like that. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Listen, we need to either copyright what we're saying or get Kevin Feige on the phone because we're giving him too many great ideas that he can just take and then there's <laughs> – like, there'd be no proof against, like, he, he would say, oh, no, I came up with this, like, two years ago. I, I knew this is where we were going to go. So we're giving him too many billion-dollar ideas. We need to make sure we're, we're cornering this market of great ideas. Um, but, yeah, that, that Dane, listen, <laughs> we're going to talk more, Dane, because me and you are going to fan cast a Black Panther 2. So we're going to come together and, and, and figure something really cool out for that. Um, but, yeah, we can all agree this movie was amazing. Really quickly, I'm going to go around, and you guys are going to give me your rating of the movie. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. What are we going out of five, out of ten? What, what, what are we doing? Uh, let's go by ten. Let's go by ten. Let's go by ten? All right, I'm mm-hmm. going to give it a nine and a half. Um, and, and, and for me personally, the only reason it's probably not a ten for me is the same thing I say about every movie. I mean, this movie was full of action, but I'm always crying for one more action scene. Find a way to slide it in there. But that's just me. I mean, the movie could be action from start to finish, and I'm going to say that. So, um, yeah, you know, I've already seen it twice within you know within three days, so tells you how much I loved it. I may go one more time. So, yeah, but, yeah, nine and a half out of ten. Absolutely. I can't knock you on that. Dane, what are you giving it out of ten? Uh, remember, I rarely give ten. I'm not giving this ten, but I'm just saying, that's like my pinnacle favorite movies of all time type of concept. So I'm going to give it a nine, and that's extremely good for me. Um, I love the movie, love the cast. Uh, we didn't talk about the sound. Not only did I love the composition that they had, but I also love the soundtrack that Kendrick Lamar had for it. Uh, the tribal beats mixed with the hip-hop, yep. everything all together, just one beautiful, masterful sound that really brought out some scenes. That's another thing is I love the story, the characters, the visualization, the costumes. This is a fucking a great movie. It's now my top five favorite MCU movies of all time. Uh, Avengers is still always going to be at number one, and I, I don't know if Winter Soldier is going to get knocked from number two anytime. 
But this now beats Guardians of the Galaxy and Civil War and is number three. Knocking off Iron Man from the top five that's been there forever as my third favorite MCU movie. It's incredible. I love it. Go see it. Absolutely. And I, I rate it a little differently, Dane. I don't like to add team-up movies in only because team-up movies are, are given advantages that solo movies aren't. You don't have to tell as much of a story in a team-up movie that you do in a solo film. So it gives you a chance to have all those amazing set moments, uh, set-piece moments, uh, those amazing action scenes. So uh, solo films that are able to do that, like Winter Soldier and Black Panther Works, where you tell an amazing story and you have all those amazing action scenes. Yeah, so I'd say Black Panther for me is number one and Winter Soldier is number two um, in my top five. But Kanan, what would you rate Black Panther uh, uh, out of ten? Uh, I would give it also a nine out of ten. It's uh, to it's to me this movie's better than uh, the Avengers. Uh, Winter Soldier and Guardians was really hard to beat. Um, as it beats Winter Soldier, but but barely because I'm I really love the I really love a lot of the scenes with Winter Soldier, especially the uh, the the battle between Bucky and uh, Steve at the end and also on the freeway. But man, Black Panther just, just the cast from top to bottom, the message. And like I told you yesterday, this was the first movie, a comic book movie I saw where honestly, uh, I didn't care about the action scenes because every other scene was just so powerful, um, that it really didn't need a lot of action to carry it. Uh, I was never bored. I was moved several times through this, which is very rare for comic book movies. There's only like two or three other comic book movies that have ever have really moved me the way this one did. Uh so yeah, it, it's it's definitely at the at the top of my list. I have I'm very anxious to see it again uh as well, which is something comic book movies, you know, rarely do. Once I see once I see them, I'm kinda content unless it's uh you know, just something that's like an event, like Infinity War or something like that. But this movie I'm just like, man, I want to go back and see it again pretty much as you're walking out of the theater. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I completely agree with you guys. I originally said 9.5 out of 10, um, but I want to see it one more time. So I'm going to just go a safe bet and just say 9 out of 10. Um, and after I see it again, I can maybe add in that 9.5. But I'm going to go a 9 out of 10. Uh, almost almost flawless movie uh, was this Black Panther Loved everything about it. It was just, like I said, that one part that I can't remember because, you know, I, I don't know if they dipped off a little bit, but that bothered me that I can't remember that, that one little part. So I'm going to hold I'm gonna hold that against it and not give it the nine and a half. Um, but still an amazing movie. I would say, listen, Logan, Wonder Woman, and, and Black Panther are your, your, uh, your reasons to why the Oscars should open their minds a little bit about superhero films. But, um... Before we close out the show, Chris, I wanted to give you an opportunity to plug yourself, and I wanted to thank you for joining us for this uh, Black Panther uh, review. We loved having you, man. Okay, yeah, as, as uh, Juwan mentioned, um, coming on, I, I do a podcast. Uh, it's kind of random. We really don't have a have a, a straight uh, night that we do it, but the Sports Ball Podcast, SVP on Facebook, feel free to join us talk sports and hip-hop. And then you can also reach out to me. I'm on Twitter at Prime SVK. Thanks a lot, you guys, for having me. Thanks, Absolutely. Chris. Love, love yeah, thank you. you, man. 
Loved having you. Definitely got to do it again. Um, Kanan or Dane, I'll start with you, Kanan. Anything you want to say before we wrap up? Well, before we go off, sorry, we're wrapping up. Before we go off. Yeah, no, if you haven't had a chance yet, everybody, please check out the interview I did with Dana DeLorenzo from Ash vs. Evil Dead. Also check out the great interview with Mark Guggenheim. And also check out the uh, interview with uh, Gotham's very own Bruce Wayne, David Mazouz. Check out those, and we got some more uh, great interviews uh, coming down the road. Absolutely. And really quickly, Dane, on to you, buddy. Close this out. Yeah, so basically, same thing. Uh, Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Thursday nights. Definitely check out the John Morrison interview if you guys can get a chance to. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's about it. We, uh, we had a fun night tonight, guys, and uh, we appreciate you guys always listening yeah. to us. And definitely keep on listening Absolutely. to wonderful reviews. And uh, great vibes, uh, geek vibes, actually. So those are the vibes. Absolutely. Have a good night. See you guys next week, same time. Peace.